You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So Jordy Nelson has officially retired. Good for him. I don't really have a whole lot else to say about it. I'm not going to do that thing where I cry into a microphone and we talk about memories for the next hour. I think I did enough of that when he left Green Bay. So, pretty jacked. For him, obviously. I, you know, There was nothing awesome about Jordy Nelson going to Oakland and just looking like some washed up person that nobody wants to talk about. I wish it didn't end that way. Kind of wish we didn't get rid of him, to be honest, but, you know, I guess I understand it. I mean, Jordy was awesome. 2017, Jordy was still the man. Then Aaron Rodgers got hurt, as I talked about, and Jordy looked like a bum because the quarterback was kind of T-rash. Then we got rid of him. Then he went to Oakland, kind of a bad quarterback, you know, and, and listen, Jordy's got a specific skill set. And what I'm saying is, in Green Bay, if he stayed in 2018, he probably still, I mean, I don't, he wouldn't have been number one wide receiver. He'd be number two, but he'd have been a real solid number two. He'd be a, well above Geronimo Allison. You are out of your mind if you think otherwise. Just just the chemistry. I mean, Geronimo's nothing but chemistry. Geronimo goes somewhere else, he's not going to get anything out of anybody. Him and Rodgers are in sync. He's got good hands. But that man goes to Oakland. He is bottom of the depth chart in four seconds. And I'm not a big, you know, Rodgers makes the wide receiver. Devontae could go anywhere and be a stud. I'm not trying to say that Aaron Rodgers is making everybody, but I'm saying certain people, that's just kind of the thing. I don't think he adds a benefit to Marquez because, you know, what Marquez has, he's got within himself. He's got all the speed, all the size, everything, and he carries that with him everywhere he goes. Hopefully that can develop into something else. But anyways... Stop interrupting me, me. I am the worst co-host in the world. I'm constantly talking over myself. This is why I can't have an actual co-host, because it would be like six people in the room. No, you be quiet. I'm trying to say something here. But I think Jordy would have done well. It's too bad that things didn't end a little differently, but that's just kind of the way it goes, I guess. Packers are ready to move on. Jordy wasn't ready to retire. That's kind of that. He went somewhere else. Didn't go very well. They didn't really want to bring him back. He goes somewhere else again, and then is like, yeah, you know what? Forget this, man. And again, good for him. Jordy's a good dude. Some people, it's like, you know, they get all this money, and then they retire, and you got this thought in the back of your head, like, they might need football. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do outside of football, and I I really don't know if they even have any money left at this point because they're a little loopy, like uh, Mr. Mr. A. Brown, I won't say his name anymore, that's banned from the show, A. Period Space Brown, you know, I just, I feel like he would make a lot of money, going to is making a lot of money, he'll have a few million dollars left when he leaves the NFL, and, uh, you know, I don't know. 
I would say that about Gronkowski, but I heard a rumor the other day that he actually is extremely smart with money, or either that or he just like completely turned his money over to somebody else, which is smart if you're not smart with money. The one smart thing you can do, just give it to somebody else and say, there you go. But according to somebody, he never spent any of his football money, not a penny. In other words, all that partying he was doing, that was endorsement money. So somebody else invested all his football money, and he's a multi-bajillionaire right now. So anyways, I'm just saying, Jordy is one of those kind of guys. And he's also he's also not like Gronk, where you still kind of, it's kind of like a race. Like, I wonder if I can spend it quicker than I'm making it, which is a tough challenge. Jordy's going to go get a farm, spend a modest amount of money, get a nice truck and a nice you know, whatever his wife wants for his wife. Take care of the kids, but not spoil them. You know, send them off to college. Probably got the college fund already figured out. That's already completely funded. So I think the only thing left for him to do is to come on this podcast and say goodbye to the fans officially. Otherwise, he, he he's, he's doing fine. He'll be fine. But that's it. That's all I got to say about that. So all that to say, we're not talking about Jordy Nelson today. I feel like my co-host is rebellious. That's the best way I can sum up this show if anyone's new. I have a plan. I tell myself the plan, and then myself says, oh, I know what I'm going to do, exactly what you said we're not going to do. I hate my co-host. Anyways, let's talk about other things. First of all, I had a thought. And yes, we are continuing. I do have another victim. Hopefully tonight, we'll see if it works out. I want to do another seven-round mock draft with the listener. we got to work on the timing, and basically the timing means he's ready to go. I just have to make sure that I can be available, and I can never count on that because I just don't know what's happening in my life ever. But I'll figure it out, and we'll figure it out. But I know what we're going to do. We're going big guns, man. Forget about passing other podcasts on iTunes. If and when, here's the deal. If and when we get to 200 five-star iTunes reviews, I'm going to give away a PFF Edge subscription. Now, to be clear, Edge isn't the really, really expensive one that I have, But it has, number one, the 2019 scouting stuff, all the scouting reports, so all that stuff that I'm referencing, if you don't have that, you get that. And it also does have the grades for each of the players on all of the teams. It's got some other stuff too, but those are the two big ones that I use right now. It just doesn't have the advanced stats. In other words, you can go to the Packers, you can look at every single player and that person's grades, but it doesn't have, you know, the advanced stats as well as, I don't know how to explain this if you haven't seen this. So let me just look at Arizona Cardinals. So the picture that I put up on tight end, or on tight end, see? Brain fried. On Twitter the other day that showed like the uh, depth chart picture of the, the players in their positions, that's what you would get. And then if you go to roster over here, you can look at it and say, oh, Josh Rosen was ranked 37th in the NFL at quarterback. Um, his grade on offense was 49.1, which is pretty abysmal. Passing grade, 48.2. His running grade, 60.6, which is basically even, meaning he basically didn't do it and there was nothing to glean from that. Total snaps, 781. His passing snaps, 482. His running snaps, 299. That would be somebody else running, not him running. Wide receivers, Larry Fitzgerald was graded number one, you know, whatever, whatever. Come down to something a little bit more interesting. If you look at the defenders, you can see, for example, all the guys they have. The highest graded guy, Benson Mayoa. However, you can see their pass rush grades, run defense grades, and coverage grades, so you can glean from that. However, Terrell Suggs, definitely the best pass rusher of the group. 
Run defense would be Chandler Jones and Brooks Reed, right? So I'm just saying, these are the kinds of things you can do. And then if you click on their name, that kind of shows you the history, right? 2018, 2017, 16, 15, 14, 13. So pretty much everything that uh, that you would need as far as a snapshot for all these teams, you would have that. So that's the plan as of right now. 200 reviews. If you would like this package and you don't have it already, send me a message. Um, I'm going to do another Facebook post thing so you can throw it in there. Otherwise, if you want to put put it on Twitter, if you want to text it to me, just make sure there's something that I can attach to it to be like, oh yeah, I can see that you definitely did leave a review. Don't just comment and say, okay, left you a review, because then it's going to be like, okay, I don't know if you did. I want to see it. Or I suppose the other thing that you could do is uh, maybe like leave a Twitter handle in the review. I'd kind of rather we didn't do that, because then it makes the review kind of look like trash. Like, hey, I love the show. By the way, I want that PFF subscription. So here's my Twitter handle. Hit me up. I really hope I win because I want stuff. You know what I mean? So just just tell me on the side, okay? Let's not do the in the review thing. But anyways, that's the deal. And I'm considering, I haven't really made up my mind because it is a lot of money, but I'm considering setting unrealistic expectations and saying if we hit this, I will give away the PFF uh, Elite which is like the $200, $300, however much that stuff is, very expensive. But I'm thinking about giving one of those away if we hit, um, I don't know what. i got to figure out what's unrealistic, but not entirely unrealistic. Like, I know we're not going to get to 10000 But anyways, I'm, I'm mulling over that and a few other things. But that's the deal now, 200 and somebody's getting PFF. Maybe I could do Game Pass. That'd be a cool one. That's a little bit less expensive. I think it's 100 bucks. Got some ideas floating around, man. That's all I'm saying. And you get it for a year. It's not like if we get there, I give it to you, and then it's like, oh, I only have one month to use it because the draft is almost here. No, it's it's a year, man. You get PFF for a year, so you'd get it for the entire 2019 season. Anyways, if you'd like to call or text into the show, that phone number is 608-501-0718. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I want to start kind of where we left off yesterday. We were talking about some of the wide receivers. This whole uh, big slot thing is starting to, to come together, and specifically the Nikhil Harry thing is starting to come together. One thing that I realized yesterday that was kind of exciting is at the YMCA, some of the treadmills have a television with YouTube. So I went from, man, oh, man, this hour is taking forever, to is it seriously an hour already? Like, I got a lot more wide receivers to watch. So that was awesome. So I got to spend a little bit of time uh, watching. I, I only got three. I watched Nikhil Harry again. I watched A.J. Brown again. And then I added Jalen Hurd. Actually, I thought I had, I think I did one more. Oh, yeah, Jacoby Myers. 
So I went to that Draft Network article and I just did the top four. That was all I had time for while I was at the gym. And I also added a uh, cornerback that somebody had mentioned on Twitter. Uh, but first I want to get to the what grinds my gears. Because Tev- Kevin texted in and he said the advertisement was too loud. I don't know which one. I think that one's done. So I do apologize if some of the ads are not at the same level. I would try to advise you not to crank the podcast real loud just in case the advertisement is a little bit louder. I mean, they do that on TV too where the ads are blasting. My bad, man. Not a huge amount I can do about that, but I can try to watch out for it going forward. And if it's one that I'm recording, I'll try to whisper. And by the way, I call you a janitor, not a custodian. Janitor sounds like a real word and a real job. Custodian sounds like a butler, which is not what you are. Custodian is a weird word. But uh, thanks for reaching out. Let me know all this stuff because I don't want things that are horrible on the podcast. So if something's horrible, please let me know. Um, so trying to figure out the order to go here. I guess I'll just talk about what, what it is I saw. I, I did start to appreciate Nikhil Harry a little bit more. I was not a huge fan and still not a massive fan of Nikhil Harry, but I think I like him more seeing him as sort of a slot receiver because I didn't think he was very good on the boundary. Dance party, you so crazy. I mean, occasionally you see glimmers of that, that tight end, you know, Jimmy Graham-style body control, just boxing people out and great hands and all that. But not nearly enough. And it's, it's so hard to evaluate wide receivers because almost all of them have garbage quarterbacks. And I, I, every, after every single throw, I want to get mad at the wide receiver. And it's like, yeah, but what if that was thrown on time and in a, in a proper place? But I, I didn't exactly see the same kind of like natural receiver abilities as I see with Hakeem Butler, who I really, really like. But I, I, I do like that he, he seems very fluid. Right? A lot of these guys, especially like slot receivers, are real like twitchy and they got to like it's hard to say the words as opposed to showing a picture or something. But they'll take like 16 stutter steps and they're bouncing their head around like trying to fake you out. Nikhil Harry's just like, I'm going right now. And he just does it quickly and he takes the right angle and all this stuff. And he, he gets separation. And I think he's got some, some good hands. He's also versatile. He's the kind of guy that you can split out wide. And again, he's, he's not my favorite wide receiver, but I don't hate that idea of putting him in the slot. I think he's got some some decent ability. And one of the things I started trying to do as I watch things, I'm trying to figure out different ways of, of deciding whether or not I like somebody. You know, with like edge rushers and defensive tackles, I started watching the offensive player. Sometimes you feel like this guy isn't very good, and then you watch the offensive guard or the offensive tackle, and he is just struggling to survive. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, not every play is going to be a sack, but are they better than the person across from them? And when the answer is yes, 90% of the time, that's something to consider. But with wide receivers, sometimes it, I, I started wondering, at least while I was at the gym yesterday, how long does it take before I can figure out what they're doing on this route? And Hakeem was pretty solid at that. Especially, I started even appreciating it more as I was watching other guys. You know, like A.J. Brown, I, I don't know. I, I haven't really been super big on him. And, and similar to what D.K. Metcalf, that offense, they just do the same stuff over and over again. But it was, it was kind of easy to see what they were going to do. Like one of the things with Nikhil Harry, when they're doing a wide receiver screen, he'll run forward and then he'll run backwards, you know, to kind of like, I don't know, give the illusion that he's running a route and then run backwards. But the amount of space he covers is incredible. So there's a massive cushion. The guy's already standing off from him a few yards back. He runs forward. The guy starts backpedaling. Then Nikhil Harry jumps backward and kind of runs toward the sideline. And he just does it all so quick. And there's just now this massive gap of separation. The ball gets put there and he's able to just make up the distance. I think A.J. Brown's better at yards after the catch, but the amount of cushion that uh, Nikhil Harry creates by just being 
so sudden and so quick with his short area movement. I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, A.J. Brown, I think it's just more, I think he's reliable, big, good yard after the catch guy. As far as Jacoby Myers, it just felt a little reckless. Jacoby's one of those guys who's got to like, you know, you got to dance when he gets to the guy to try to figure out when to go and where to go. And the, the thing I don't like about that is when you're talking about timing, you got to be where you're supposed to be. And if every time you're doing something different because your focus is on how do I fake this guy out, and sometimes it's like one step and then inside, and sometimes it's like three head fakes and then inside, the timing is going to be all messed up. You got to be able to just run a route. Just run the route, right? Stake your foot in the ground and go. Jacoby's dancing around so much. If Aaron Rodgers looks up and you're not there, that's a problem. And we saw that with the newest wide receivers. So Jacoby's kind of wild and crazy. And you can kind of see the, the suddenness and the quickness. But sometimes I'm watching him and it's just like, dude, just just go do what you're supposed to do. And then he, a lot of the time he didn't get the separation anyways. Like you're, you're acting like you're going to be all crazy and stuff. And if, if the guy's a decent cornerback, he's going to stick with you. And it's, it's good if you're running straight ahead and you can just not have to slow down. I don't like when you run to the cornerback, stop, dance your feet around, and then cut because then you have to accelerate all over again. And both of you are accelerating at the same time. If you can just flow through a route and just accelerate through it, and then especially if you kind of like angle and sort of cut back, I don't know how to explain that either, but sort of almost do like a double cut. Man, those those cornerbacks, that, that first cut you got, Devontae does that really well. Where you, you cut to the inside and there's a little bit of separation. You could probably just throw it right there and he's not, the corner can't get there in time. But then he kind of cuts a second time and now it's, oh my goodness, you got five, six, seven yards of separation. The one guy, though, that really stood out that I, and it's funny because every time I, every time I say out loud to myself or, you know, out loud in my brain, which is not out loud, that I'm not going to like this person. I don't even really want to watch him, which was Jalen Hurd. And I don't know why I said that. It was just, I think it's because I just assumed he was Jalen Hurts. I don't really know. But either way, this guy reminds me a lot of Nikhil Harry. However, and I remember, I think it was, I think it was Kyle that was saying he wanted to get Ty Montgomery back. I think if we're looking for a Ty Montgomery slash Cordero Patterson kind of slot type of person, I think Jalen Hurd could be that guy. He's very big, and he he just reminded me a lot of Nikhil Harry. Big guy who kind of flows real nice through his route. You can just feel the size, right? You throw If there's a little bit of separation and you throw it up, he catches it with his hands, doesn't slow down, just keeps on running. But also, the guy lines up in the backfield. And so they, they got him doing all kinds of crazy stuff. They, they got him motioning. They got him lined up wildcat. They got him as a running back. He's doing all that stuff. And that's primarily because he was a running back for Tennessee. Then he went to Baylor as a wide receiver. So he is both. He's a hybrid guy. And yes, he also does punt and kick returns. Well, punt returns he did for... Uh, for Baylor in 2018. Not a lot of it, but enough that there's tape of it, and and he's that guy. He's the Cordero Patterson right now. So for Packer fans who heard Cordero Patterson was out there and wanted to get one, this is a later round Cordero Patterson that's available. Similarly, Ty Montgomery. If you like that skill set of Ty Montgomery, and if you want the Packers to get that back, I think Jalen Hurd is that guy. So that was interesting. I'm I'm a little bit of a Jalen Hurd fan. The the, The biggest problem, and I, you know, again, I didn't have a lot of time to watch a ton of tape, but the biggest thing with him was drops. And I only saw two, but it was two that it's like, oh, come on, man. What was that? You know, one of those things where some, you know, what some people say that he, he makes the, the tough catches look easy and the easy catches look difficult. He had one that hit him right in the hands and he just dropped it. And it's one of those things where he's just looking at his hands like, oh, what was that? The other one was a touchdown pass. And those sting a lot. 
So critical pass, not a difficult catch to make, and he just flat out dropped it. So that absolutely makes me nervous. So I listen. I like watching Jalen Hurd. I I would be very. I don't know if I was a GM if I would actually take him for two reasons. One, the drops are a big problem, and two is I'm worried about him being sort of a tweener, like sort of like Ty Montgomery was. Although I think if we just left him in the slot, it would have been okay. But he's one of those at, at running back. He's not bad, but he's not great. I think probably in the slot he was okay, but not great. And depending when he gets drafted, I don't know what I, what actually you could expect, but. I mean, if he's a third or fourth round guy, he should be a lot better than the guys we have. Jamon and EQ and all these guys, and I just don't know that he's going to be. So I, I don't know. And, and listen, maybe LaFleur needs guys like that because guys like Cordero Patterson can thrive in certain offenses, but you got to know how to use these guys. I don't know if McCarthy was the most, you know, edgy, creative kind of guy that could really use a Jalen Hurd. Maybe we need to start getting those kinds of players for LaFleur, and he'll know how to use them, and it'll be just electrifying. But it, it does make me nervous that he would be a tweener and a guy with problems dropping the football and we just wouldn't like him very much. But he is a lot of fun to watch and if we get him, you know, might as well just be optimistic and say this guy could be a real weapon for us. But I would recommend you check him out. So thems were my thought thoughts. Those were my thought. And this is actually hilarious because I I just wanted to give you my thought and then I knew there were questions in the podcast or in the Facebook group, but I didn't exactly remember what they were. And Billy uh, in the Facebook group went all out and he took the homework very seriously. And the first thing he says, I like the idea of going Jalen Hurd. He's 6'4 or 6'5, depending which source you look at. Wide receiver from Baylor, transferred from Tennessee, five-star recruit. So I probably should have just read this or talked to Billy beforehand because he probably knows him better than I do. So hopefully I did him justice because like I said, I only watched like two games of him. But he says he was an incredible running back at Tennessee. Uh, he switched to wide receiver because he wanted to improve his longevity, which makes a lot of sense. If you're a running back, you're going to get beat up. You're going to make it until you're 28, 29. Then you're in your downswing. By the time you're 30, you're out of the NFL. Wide receivers, you know, you kind of peak at, what, 29, 30, and then you play until you're 32. He also says how many 6'5 running backs are successful long-term anyways. Yeah, a lot of this is is uh, parroting what I said, which is nice. Says he's a freak athlete. He can play a Christian McCaffrey type role. And I'm going to look at some of the more advanced stuff in a little bit. A good value, tremendous Swiss Army knife in the later rounds. Over a thousand yards rushing and receiving his senior year. And here's what he, he posted what NFL.com said, so I'll read that as well. Hurd was used as big slot, but he might need to transition into a role outside to take advantage of his potential to stretch the field. I don't like that so much. I mean, if that's what he needs, then I'm kind of out on him because we need that big slot guy. And it just, I don't know, it doesn't feel right to me. He's an outside guy slash running back slash return. I don't know. I don't don't know. He's still learning the nuances of the position, but he has outstanding traits, a great work ethic, and an ability to get much better very quickly, which does make sense. Again, very athletic guy who can do a lot of stuff. It's just a question of what is his ceiling, right? He's brand new to being a wide receiver, so we don't know if what we're seeing is the best of him or if he's got a ways to go up. While Hurd will be an NFL receiver, he offers a unique option of becoming a short yardage banger near the goal line. His best days are in front of him. So that was kind of cool, man. I'm, I, I hear you, Billy. So that was pretty much it, I think, and I apologize if somebody else had their comments on the big slot. Uh, there are some questions about wide receiver that are not big slot, um, other slot alternatives. So I want to switch over to PFF and a few other references and kind of see a little bit more about these these guys real quick. So first of all, looking at Nikhil Harry, um, as far as PFF is concerned, he's a good wide receiver, and that's about it. He, you know, not going to get running the ball, not even a very good blocker, which I think was pretty evident. You just kind of expect that from bigger guys. 
but I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it from Jalen Hurd. I didn't see a lot of these guys. Uh, I won't comment too much because I'm sure somebody's going to have a great blocking grade, and I don't know what I'm talking about. But as far as athletic ability, Nikhil Harry's a, a, a solid athlete. 33-inch arms is pretty long. Uh, his 10-yard split and his 40-yard dash were pretty solid. 1.59 10-yard split, 4.5340. Relative athletic score wasn't anything off the charts necessarily, but it was solid. It was it was in the nines. Um, bottom line is he's he's above average in his athletic ability, and also he's a big dude. Six foot two, 228 pounds. So six two, maybe not all that big, but again, long arms, pretty big hands, and 200, almost 230 pounds. He's a big dude. But uh, he went over 1,000 yards, and, and again, the stats are hard. Even evaluating is hard because the quarterback just was not very good. It was pretty clear Nikhil Harry had a lot of, of potential that wasn't being met. I don't know how many times I watched him and said, oh, that was a bad jump ball. Like, he didn't get that 50-50 ball, and then you watch the review, and it's like, that shouldn't have even been a 50-50 because he was wide open if the guy could have just got the ball there on time. So it's tough. You don't get to see a lot of the top end. But 1,088 yards, 515 yards after the catch, 14.9 yards per completion is pretty big. Uh, nine touchdowns, six drops. Uh, looking at A.J. Brown, they had him at 80 even, which, you know, technically that's still very good, but I, I'm looking at this saying PFF isn't all that impressed. Six foot, 226 pounds, so another really just thick dude. Six feet tall is not tall at all, but he's almost as much as Nikhil Harry. He's almost, I mean, he's 226 pounds, man. He's massive. Uh, I think he's relatively well-rounded. You know, ran a 4.49, which is pretty fast. 155 10-yard split is also better than a you know better than average. Same goes for his explosion, right? 36.5 vert, 120 broad jump isn't bad, above average. But I don't know. I wasn't blown away watching him. PFF doesn't seem blown away. It just seems like a vanilla thing. I again, I think he's safe and I think he's reliable. I don't think he gives you a lot of top end, and that's sort of the problem I have with taking him at 30. We're taking a first-round draft pick. He should have a lot of high upside, right? Hollywood Brown type guys. DK Metcalf type guys, Hakeem Butler, even even uh, Nikhil Harry, I would say, you know, potentially, if depending on your evaluation of him, has some really, really solid potential. A.J. Brown, I just don't know what his upside is. I mean, I, I guess as a possession guy, right, he's getting 12 catches a game. He's got good yards after the catch. He's going to convert the third downs, all that kind of, I, I guess that does have a lot of value. I don't know. I just have never really been impressed with him, which was painful because he was considered the number one wide receiver in the NFL for the majority of this process, or excuse me, in college football. I mean, it was just, it was nonstop. It was, and I was constantly mocking A.J. Brown and Noah Fant way too high, and everybody was getting upset. And I'm like, look, this is where all the experts are ranking him. What do you want me to do? Everybody is saying A.J. Brown is a top wide receiver. Of course, all the non-experts who were yelling at me were right, and all the experts were wrong which really makes my website feel like a waste of time because everybody knows better than the experts, which is what my website is based on, the experts. And there's quotation marks around every time I say experts, by the way. Uh, Jacoby Myers was listed as a big slot guy. I don't really know that that's a fair evaluation, probably because he's six foot one. I guess. I don't know. I mean, I guess for a slot, 6'1", 203 is, is kind of big, but he's nowhere compared to Nikhil Harry. You know, he's not 5'11", 180 pounds. But uh, PFF gave him an 83 grade, and actually as a receiver, his receiving grade was 86, and that's been going up. So again, I, I do see him as a, a, he looks more like an actual slot receiver than any of these other guys. Right, he's got the, the quick twitch, and he's fast, and he moves around a lot, and he just feels like that. The biggest problem, though, with Jacoby Myers is as you're watching it, it's like, okay, his attribute is the fact that he's kind of quick, but he ran a 4.63. His 10-yard split was 1.62, which is a little slightly worse than average, right about average. So he's actually kind of slow. So if you're going to get a smaller guy, 
you kind of want him to be faster, and he's just not. His three cone was 707, which is kind of terrible. So, you know, I don't know. I don't really see it with Jacoby. I mean, I, you can kind of see it. But again, I, I don't know that it. he doesn't feel very natural. Seems like he needs some work, and also there isn't much to work with when you look at his actual combine results. So I'm kind of just out on Jacoby Myers. Maybe if he falls, has like an Equinemia St. Brown kind of fall down into the fifth round, sixth round, whatever. But the Draft ne- Network has him at, at pick 100, or at the 100th best uh, prospect. But uh, I, I don't want to take him at 100. I just don't. No disrespect, they do this better than I do. I'm just saying this is my personal preference. If the Packers take him in the second round, I'm not going to be super thrilled. I'll, I'll concede that I don't know what I'm talking about and say, hey, at least Gutekunst is smart and he probably knows better than I do. But I'm probably not going to go ranting and raving about, dude, this guy. Oh, man. And then there's my guy Jalen Hurd, who, of course, obviously PFF likes the least. I gave him a grade of 76, which is good. The only one that wasn't considered very good. But he is six foot four, for your reference. 226 pounds. So, big, big dude. Dude, Draft Scout's getting an update. This is kind of crazy. About time, that site was just old and garbage. But we'll see. He had an injury at the Combine, uh, so he did not work out. His pro day is scheduled for the second. So, in a few days, we'll see what he can do. Uh, they, they, at NFL Draft Scout, have him as a seventh-round prospect. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, if, if, if he's one of those guys, like the Packers have done the last few years, they, there have been guys that are thought of and obviously Jalen Hurd isn't one of them but guys that are thought of as top tier top tier ish wide receivers that end up falling to the later rounds like Equinemia St. Brown the year before that it was Malachi Dupree thought he was going to be like a third fourth round guy we got him with our second seventh round pick after Devontae Mays D'Angelo Yancey was another one we got him in the fifth round I kind of thought he was like a third round guy so Packers are kind of the ones that snag up all the falling wide receivers it seems like so I don't know we'll see what happens Obviously not a great track record because none of them seem to be working out, but hopefully Equinemius can pan out. But anyways, not a ton to go on uh, with him here. The the one really good thing is that he's well-rounded, obviously. His receiving grade was 76.5. His run grade was 70.1. His run blocking was 63.3, which isn't great, but it's just kind of this average line across the board. Uh, his arm length is 32 inches, which is long, but not as crazy as I would have expected for six foot four. but his hands are monstrous. He's got uh, 10 and a quarter inch hands. And he did do the bench. He did 23 reps. So he's he's a very big, very strong kind of guy. We'll see what happens. If I had to guess, we're not going to get Jalen Hurd because I do think we're going to address this kind of early. I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe we're going to go big wide receiver like Nikhil Harry. Maybe we'll end up getting a guy like Andy Isabella. There was a rumor that I had heard uh, on Tony Pauline's podcast saying that the Packers are interested in Andy Isabella. Um, I, I think why I, I think slot receiver in general. I. The, the big slot makes sense. Sounds like the Packers are interested in big slot, but any slot receiver, whether it's Jalen Hurd or Nikhil Harry or Andy Isabella, one of these guys, I really, really think, not Jalen Hurd, obviously, but I really think in the first, I'm going to say three rounds, they will get a slot receiver. And I'd be pretty shocked if they don't. I think the, the one thing that could maybe make them wait a little bit is if we do end up taking a tight end. If we get Hawkinson or Fant early, maybe the, the pressure to get a slot receiver won't be as high, but I, I talked about it yesterday, right? The the idea of getting a tight end and a slot within our first, let's say we satisfy that in the first three rounds, like I said, I, I think that's really going to help the offense a lot. So anyways, those are the four guys. Uh, definitely sounds like Nikhil is in a class of his own. Uh, A.J. Brown is another really popular option. 
I'm not the biggest fan, but those are the two top guys that if we were to go big slot that are going to be available, probably at pick 30 would be the place to do it. But a little bit later, another thing that was interesting, just as we talked about this yesterday, Arizona State, where Nikhil Harry comes from, uh, the Packers were there. Now, that's not interesting because all 32 teams were there, but what is interesting is that Brian Gutekunst was there. Brian Gutekunst wants to put his eyes, and this this the same thing Ted Thompson did. you got to know where the GM is. If the GM wants to put eyes on somebody, that's why. And that's why I'm thinking Devin Bush, right? He went to the Michigan Pro Day. Now, a lot of times these guys will go to big schools where there's a lot of prospects. They'll go to Alabama. Michigan's got several guys. You know, Clemson would make sense. But Arizona State, there's only one guy. Literally just one guy, and our GM went there. So it was it was interesting to me because we just talked about it. It's like I'm just starting to put these pieces together. How valuable. I talked about why I came to that conclusion about you look at the offense and, and how do you defeat um, uh, LaFleur's offense. Well, you beat it by doing this. And then, well, how do you beat that? You need tight ends and slot receivers. Okay, we need a slot receiver. Well, I think the Packers want a big slot. Okay, who are the big slots? Oh, look, Nikhil Harry's a big slot. That's interesting. I wonder if they're interested in Nikhil Harry. Oh, look, our GM went to go look specifically at Nikhil Harry. He he flew out there to watch Nikhil Harry in person. Now, maybe he just didn't have anything better to do on that day. I don't know. I don't know what other pro days there are. Maybe he's just got a schedule, and it's like, well, I don't know. There's kind of a void in this area, so I guess I'll go to ASU. But typically, that's when my ears perk up is when I hear uh, the GM went there in person. Because there's a lot of prospects you hear. There's all 32 teams are there, or you hear that the Packers were there to, to view this prospect. But it's not Gutekunst. It's somebody. But the fact that we have guys or pro days that our guys don't even go to, then you have pro days that we do go to, and then you got the pro days that Gutekunst personally grabs a plane, flies out there, and watches this guy in person. So, again, all the puzzle pieces are sort of coming together. If Nikhil Harry's there at 30, I'm kind of curious if that's our pick. If we don't take him there and he's there at 44, I'm really confident that's our pick, depending on, you know, obviously if we got A.J. Brown or something, it's possible or pretty likely we're not going to. But that's sort of, so, so those are my two guys now in terms of like who I feel the Packers really like. Not necessarily my favorite guys, but Devin Bush and Nikhil Harry, I just got this feeling, man. And I don't hate either of those. It wouldn't be my pick. And if you told me this a month ago, I would have been violently ill that we're going to take Devin Bush at 12 and Nikhil Harry at 30. I would have just been livid because I didn't really care for either of these guys, especially since I thought Devin Bush was like a second round guy, early second, maybe at 30 you take him. But again, if you told me a month ago we're taking Devin Bush at 12 and Nikhil Harry, who I don't care for, at 30, I would not have been happy. But, you know, this is how things evolve. You think more about what the team needs are. You learn more about the prospects. You watch the prospects more. You think about how they fit and how they benefit the team and what the actual needs are of the team. I don't know. Coming around. All right, I had a couple questions here in the Facebook group about DK Metcalf. So Ben in the Facebook group said, should the Packers go for someone like Metcalf or another wide receiver with the 12th pick, or is that too soon? Uh, Mike in the Facebook group said, what are your thoughts on DK Metcalf at 12 and possibly Fant at 30 if uh, both of those guys are available? Gives Rodgers two nice weapons. And then sort of similar to that, I guess, since we're talking about slot slash wide receiver, Kyle in the Facebook group said, if the Packers draft Hawkinson at 12, why not put Jimmy Graham in the slot? There would be mismatches everywhere on the field. Uh, you can shift him back to the two tight end sets. You can do MVS in the slot. And that that is kind of the cool thing about a lot of these wide receivers. MVS, EQ, Geronimo. These guys can play in the slot. Jimmy Graham can play in the slot. Devontae technically can play in the slot, although you don't want to put him there too much because he's your number one wide receiver. But you got guys that are versatile in that way. 
which obviously we know the Packers love versatility. That's just kind of what they do. They don't really get the guys where it's like, you can only do this one thing and that's it, right? Randall Cobb was kind of one of those guys in the slot. You, you can put him outside. We did that when Jordy got hurt that year and he had to be the number two boundary guy and it was horrible. Typically, they like that kind of versatility. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So, all right, let's let's kind of rewind here and look at DK Metcalf. I'm not as opposed to it as a lot of other people. I think DK Metcalf does have a lot of upside. I, I think he has, you know, I, I know he had a terrible three cone. I know he's got a neck injury. I know... You know, there's concerns about maybe being too big. What I don't know, whatever. There's all kinds of... There's. It's kind of funny because here's the trajectory. DK Metcalf is pretty good. Then the, the picture comes out, and it's funny because it's like you got two rows that are just widening in different directions, and now you're to the point where it's like DK Metcalf is Julio Jones, and other people say, I wouldn't take DK Metcalf in the second round. I don't know if anybody actually says that, but I'm just saying the road is widening. So it, it kind of started early when it was, you know, DK Metcalf was a top guy, but I don't know how good he is, meh. Then you have that picture of him looking like Aaron Donald, just completely jacked out of his mind. And you had the instant guttural, or it's not the right word, but the instant reaction from some people that, oh my goodness, this guy's a freak. Now he's definitely number one. And other people saying he's too big. You don't want a wide receiver that big. It's, you know, was he going to be a tight end, a fullback? What is this? You can't be flexible and be a guy that's that big. It's not going to work. So boom, it's widened. People that liked him, like him even more. Or maybe they liked him and they changed. I don't know. I'm just saying. Then there was the combine, which was hilarious because you had things happening in rapid succession. You had his 40 time and all this other stuff where he just absolutely tore it up. And it was like, okay, he's Julio Jones. Like he's going top five. He's going top three. He's he's one of the best wide receivers we've seen. And then he did his three cone and it's like, okay, that's the one thing that could have derailed this whole process. He absolutely bombed it. So, so much for that. So now you still have some people who are stuck on it saying, look, he's huge. He's really fast. He's really all these things. And then, you know, you kind of make excuses for, you know, he wasn't used properly. He didn't have a good quarterback, which is why the production is low. Uh, His route tree was limited because they limited it for him. Um, But, you know, he can still kind of do all these things. So I really still think, and if you watch the video by Brett Coleman, it was pretty convincing because he was looking at it and saying, look, look at Megatron. Basically the same thing. He only had like two or three routes that he ran, but he was so freakish that he just dominated the NFL, just basically running these same routes over and over again. So I, I still think he has a ton of upside and a ton of potential, but I absolutely understand the, the bust potential. In other words, you can definitely draft him too high if he doesn't reach or meet those expectations. So if we got him, yeah, my mind goes to, wow, we, we've got a clear number two. We've got a guy that has the upside and potential to be better than Devontae, to make Devontae the number two. And I don't know if there's anybody else in this draft class that can really say that. Like, your upside is to make Devontae our number two wide receiver. There aren't a lot of guys. I mean, it can happen. Hakeem Butler could maybe do it. You know, Hollywood could maybe. Who knows? Maybe A.J. Brown. I don't know. But I'm just talking about if I had to bet which wide receiver is going to be better than Devontae if we drafted him, I would probably put my money on DK just because of how freakish his potential is. So I don't hate it, but I don't think we're going to do it. And it's it's more about my evolving thinking about what the Packers need 
based on what our offense needs, based on, you know, based on what we can't do. We've got guys that can take the top off, right? We, we've got Marquez on the team. Is Marquez DK Metcalf? Of course not. He's not DK Metcalf. He'll never be DK Metcalf. But the problem is, what are we adding to our team? What are we adding to our playbook? What are we giving Lafleur? We're giving Lafleur something he already has, but a little bit better, while still leaving a massive void in the slot, while also leaving a void at tight end. Why don't we just fill the void? In other words, if we want to get a freak at 12, let's get a freak. But let's get a freak that also fills a void. So we go from, you know, if we just think about it as a 1 to 10 chart, you know, we, we, we got Marquez over there who's like a 6, and he brings us up to an 8. I mean, that's cool that we have an 8 at wide receiver now, but we went up two spots. Why not go over to the slot where we've got basically like a 5 and bring that up to an 8? That's a bigger upgrade. Plus, again, we're talking about different I mean, what? not only that, but what does it do to benefit the team? In other words, DK Metcalf can do stuff, but he can do stuff that was already being done. Like, I need a guy that can run this route. Well, okay, Marquez can run that route. Is he as fast? Does he have as much after the catch? Does he do all the... No, not quite. But we can already do that. We, we already have that, that, that play in the playbook because we can execute it. Here's a pile of plays we cannot execute because we don't have the athleticism or ability at tight end because we don't have a good enough slot receiver. Give me that guy. So again, I don't mind it in a vacuum. I think DK Metcalf at 12 isn't the worst value in the world. It's all just up to, again, the evaluators looking at it. If you think he has that Megatron potential, it's not even a question. I don't even, I mean, even if the Packers believe that, even if we need that slot, fine, get the slot at 30, get the slot at 44, but get D, if DK Metcalf is Megatron and he falls to 12, it's not a question. So in a sense, it's kind of up to you. If you believe he's that guy, yes, we take him at 12. I'm just saying I don't know that I believe he's that guy. And in terms of need, I don't know that we need a DK Metcalf. I think we need more of a Nikhil Harry, A.J. Brown, uh, Hollywood Brown in the slot, also outside. You know, he's got that versatility. Andy is a slot guy. We need a slot guy. So from a best player available standpoint, if you believe he's that guy, he should never even make it to 12. And if he does, you take him. But again, my, my thought is we're not going to do that. So would I do it? Probably not. Do I think the Packers are going to do it? Definitely not. But again, if they do, what does that tell us? That's kind of the interesting thing here. My my goal isn't to be like the pretend scout who tells you, oh, he's not a good... I don't, I don't know. You're. I'm happy for you to make your own decision, and I'm telling you, if you think he's that guy, I want you to take him at 12. I want you to want him at 12. I want him to be your guy. I'm not going to try to tell you what you should think. Think what you think. I, that's awesome. Let's talk about it. What, what, what I am also talking about is who the Packers draft tells us a couple different things, and I want to just be cognizant of that. If they take DK Metcalf at 12, what does that tell us? It does not satisfy a need that is that is a void. It's telling us that they see him as the easily the best player available, and we're stacking talent on top. It would be sort of like taking a defensive tackle, right? We've got a lot of defensive tackles, so what does that tell us about this defensive tackle? It tells us they think he's a freak, right? I mean, it, it, again, if DK Metcalf is Megatron, it's basically like we're getting Quinn and Williams. Because Quinn and Williams is seen as just this absolute freak. Like he's going to dominate. He's one. He's, he's has the upside of being one of the greats. If he were to fall at 12, is it even a question? Does anyone even think, well, we've already got some defensive linemen. You know, we, we, we've got Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark. We don't really. Dude, zip it and draft him. That's it. If that's DK Metcalf for you, awesome. And again, if the Packers take him. That tells us what they think of DK Metcalf, especially now that we're thinking through, or at least I'm thinking through, maybe you disagree, the needs of the team. And I don't think the boundary guy is necessarily it. 
I've been saying for a long time we do need a better number two, but I, I think it's cool the idea of maybe having that be a slot guy or a tight end because then we, we satisfy two things. We get a number two wide receiver that takes the pressure off of Devontae Adams and gives Aaron Rodgers a much-needed second option and something else for defenses to have to to scheme against because it's easy to just take away one guy. Now you got to take away two. But also, we're not just burying guys on the depth chart by getting another boundary guy and then saying, okay, EQ and MVS and Jamon and Geronimo, you guys are just kind of buried now. No, let them battle it out on the outside. And you can rotate them. You want to put a bunch of burners out there? Fine. Then we're going to put Devontae. We're going to put uh, Marquez. We're going to get our new slot guy and we're going to get... Uh, uh, Jimmy Graham, you know, split out. We got four wide receivers, and they're all kind of the more athletic, you know, down the field kind of threat. You want to play third and four football? Fine. Then we got Devontae Adams. We got, you know, Mercedes Lewis. We'll put Geronimo out there because he's a great third down wide receiver. And we got our big boy package and our third down guys, right? So it's it's our, our other boundary guys sort of situational with the upside of having a guy that actually develops into a solid number two. Maybe Equinemius takes that spot. Maybe Marquez just genuinely is a solid number two. Otherwise, we've got a good rotation in that spot. So that's just kind of where my thoughts at. I'm not saying we shouldn't take a, a wide receiver, a boundary guy. Again, Nikhil Harry does have that potential to go to the outside. If he is a really solid option, he can be a... Sl- so So essentially what he would be is sort of like when we took Jair Alexander. Jair is a slot guy, but does he play in the slot? Not very much because we don't have talent at corner. He plays on the outside a lot. So in two wide receiver sets, although Nikhil is our big slot, Basically, it's just Devontae and Nikhil out on the on the field all the time. And then when we do three wide receiver, he slides in, for the most part. You know, they can interchange that as well. So that's sort of my thought on DK Metcalf. Has the potential to be there. I, I don't think it's impossible the Packers take him. It's really just a question of what do they think of him. They haven't tipped their hand at all. I don't know what they think of him. I know they, they well, I shouldn't even say that. They say they don't chase the flashy things, but of course they do. They're, they're, they're spark score obsessed. And, you know, DK Metcalf is up there. If he had run a better three cone, I mean, you got Miles Boykin, Paris Campbell, Emmanuel Hall, and then number four there is DK Metcalf. So they, they satisfy that need for sure. They like big wide receivers. He's a big wide receiver, 6'3", 228. By the way, he's 21 years old. Nikhil Harry is too, by the way. If you look at age, because it's, it's always kind of cool to get the younger guys, the 21-year-olds, DK Metcalf, Nikhil Harry, Kelvin Harmon, uh, Antoine Wesley. So those are the guys that you draft that are kind of like Kenny Clark, where after a couple years, you're like, oh, he's probably like 25, right? It's like, no, he's 23. He's younger than some of the guys that we drafted. Terry McLaurin, who is number six on this list, is 24 years old right now. If we drafted him, I believe he would be older than Kenny Clark still. So it's one of the awesome benefits of drafting a really young guy is you can give him a third contract when they're still, what, like 38 years old or 28 years old? Because their second contract, unless you give him a fifth-year option, is when they're you know, 24 turning 25. So anyways, and then as, as far as the Jimmy Graham to the slot, I guess my biggest problem here is, and it, it's sort of a foregone conclusion that Jimmy's done. And I agree that he's not what he used to be, but I, I, as I've said before, his drop-off was so significant. I think there's room f- to believe that there's going to be some improvement. I don't know if there will be. I, I again, I'm not just going to assume Lafleur makes everything better, but I, I, I think it was pretty evident that Mike McCarthy did not run that offense very efficiently. There also were some just mental lapses, just simple drops, that stuff that Jimmy Graham just doesn't do. So I, it would be nice if we just got a little bit of fire, a little bit more excitement, a little bit more energy, stop using him as a blocker. You know, do, do I want him to primarily be a slot receiver? No. I don't think he would be a very good one. But 
could we potentially do that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Packers want to do that. I think that's one of the benefits of having a guy like Jimmy Graham is that you split him out, especially the the more wide receivers we have. Again, we got Devontae, we got Marquez, we've got our new slot guy, we got Jimmy Graham in the slot, and we got TJ Hawkinson kind of in tight. So it's basically, it's a four wide with a tight end in, but we're running all five as, as running routes. So we've got five receivers. Who in the world do you put where? That's the benefit of having guys like that. It's not so much like, well, Jimmy Graham's just a dominant physical specimen. Well, you know, again, one of the reasons I want us to get another corner is because you need multiple corners to be able to match up with teams that have multiple wide receivers. If this team, like the Bears, let's say they have two good wide receivers, fine. You got Kyle Fuller over there on Devontae. You got Prince of Mukamura over there on Marquez, which, you know, Marquez definitely has speed on him. But then what? You're going to put Roquan on Hawkinson? They got rid of Bryce Callahan, their slot guy. They brought in, um, oh, what's his name from the Jets? The guy that's not good at all. I forget, but he's trash. So he's going to be lined up against our new slot guy who's just going to devour him, especially if we got the big slot guy. Then we got somebody who has speed on him, who has uh, talent on him, and who just is just towers over him because a lot of slot guys are smaller. But then, again, you have to account for two tight ends. What are you going to do? Well, you put your you know, top cover guy as a linebacker on um, Hawkinson, I would assume. And, and, you know, you could play zone if you want. But, again, that's the benefit of having – slot guys and tight end guys because they're just zone eaters we got two tight ends and a slot guy they're just going to go out find the hole in the zone and and Aaron Rodgers with the talent he has to be able to identify when it's zone where the zones are where the spots are as long as there's proper communication a good play call whatever else all you need is an offensive line that can block long enough for these guys to find the spot they're going to find the spot and it's it's going to be a a first down so you're going to want to have to man up against these guys but I don't know if you can Right, small little linebackers are going to be able to stop Hawkinson and and Jimmy Graham and a a six foot four slot guy. Not to mention we also have Marquez who's flying down the field, so your safety can't even cheat up. He's got to stay way back. Devontae's just destroying whoever's in front of him. Devontae also is pretty good in in zone coverage. So yeah, I, I I like that. Not as a primary slot guy. I don't want Jimmy Graham to be a slot guy, but he's a mismatch. If we're doing you know, several wide receivers out and he's one of them. Yeah, it creates that problem of what do you do there? But he still has to raise, rise to that occasion. He still has to be able to run with some bit of speed and he still needs to be physically dominant more than anything. If if Aaron Rodgers throws the ball up and it's just one guy there, you have to catch it. I don't care if the guy's sitting in your lap. I don't care if he's inside your jersey. You catch the ball. You got longer arms, you're bigger, you're stronger. Box him out. Catch the football. That's your entire thing. If, if it's one-on-one, I do not care the circumstance. I will throw it to you, and you better catch it. That's why we have Jimmy Graham. That's what Jimmy Graham needs back. You want to play man coverage with you know Roquan or whoever it is covering Jimmy Graham, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. I'm going to throw the ball there, and you will not get it above Jimmy Graham. That was supposed to be how this thing works. Hopefully we can get back to that. But I don't know. I guess we'll find out. So anyways, I wanted to dig a little bit more into the wide receivers. Again, I would encourage you to check these guys out. There it is. Dance party is going to come out here. DJ Galaxy is going to going to serenade us out of here. But I think those are relatively definitive. Oh, that's right. There was a corner that I watched. I'll, I'll get to it tomorrow, man. Probably uh, give myself a little bit of a homework assignment. What should it be? What what should it be? I don't know. Send me some suggestions about what position group you want to do. Wide receiver, uh, edge rusher, and linebacker are the one that's the most intriguing. But I feel like we've talked about that and watched those a lot. Offensive line is kind of boring, but maybe go that route. I don't know. Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter or Facebook, wherever. Text me. I don't know that that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow, but I, 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 wanna, I want another homework assignment for the group, so give me some suggestions. 
But anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.